and welcome to This Movie is Gay, a podcast that takes your favorite apparently heterosexual films and demonstrates that that is in fact not the case. I'm Haley. I'm Emma. And we are bringing you something a little different this week and for the coming weeks uh, because the, you know, life is changing. Life is changing. Mm-hmm. Um, we yes. all reach a time in our lives when we aren't, <laughs> we aren't inside always anymore. You're making, this is like the puberty of this podcast. <laughs> is the puberty of this podcast is going to be awkward. Some things will be good. Some things will be traumatic. Mm-hmm. That's right. Growing pains, shifting, <laughs> times of transition. Yeah. And so what we are going to do this week and for the next couple of weeks is do a sort of pause to consider some of the themes and concepts that have arisen repeatedly over the course of the episodes that we've done so far. Obviously, we are not claiming to have in the past less than a year watched every queer coded film ever made, but for our own Mm -hmm. sort of like interests and the ideas that like got us started with this podcast Mm. and really interested in doing this, there's Mm. certain kind of themes and ideas that have popped up again and again, and we're constantly sort of cross-referencing ourselves. And so we thought it could be interesting and fun to sort of like compile that cross-referencing into its (laughs) own conversation, uh, which is what we're going to do today and for the next couple of episodes, most likely. Brilliant. The shooting the shit series. But I mean, yes, that's, it has grown into an interesting kind of like hedge of concepts that are constantly like, I feel like in the last like five to six episodes, I spend all of my time being like, well, as we've seen time and again, it's the forever thing of this. We did it inadvertently do some very good thematic grouping with the writer, with all the writer stuff in a row and like, that's right. That's right. Other accidental series, (laughs) mini series within this year. Exactly. The chapter headings of your parents hate you. You're an (laughs) artist. (laughs) Exactly. Chapter heading for this weekend is going to be why is (laughs) bridge boy school vibes so gay? Mm -hmm. Why is that? A, a grammatically infelicitous and clumsy sentence that I forgot where I was going with halfway through, but there we are. Um, yeah, so we're sort of going to talk about the the energy that ha- attaches mm. itself to movies like Chariots of Fire, Dead Poet mm-hmm. Society, which of course is not set in England, but you know, the school itself wishes mm-hmm. it were. Um, yeah, it absolutely does. And also talk about all of the sort of like explicitly queer Uh, Oxbridge themed things like the History Boys and Morris and Another Country that we can't Mm. talk about on this podcast because they are actually gay. Yeah. Uh Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, basically, this is a get out of jail free card to be able to talk about so many of the things that we constantly are bringing into the conversation, but in an apologetic way of the fact that like, that's not subtextual, that's just straight up gay. But it's exists in the same miasma of so much of the stuff that we actually do do. And I think that like, it's part of the conversation of like something that we try to say every time is that like some of these stories seem gay because they're in the same kind of setting and energy as explicitly queer stories. And it's like, and maybe that not to just like dive right in, but also dive right in is like, maybe that is the heart of the thing. It's like, mm. if it looks like Morris and sounds like Morris and has the same cast as Morris, yes. but they don't kiss. Yes. <laughs> forgiven for being like, yeah, but this feels quite gay. It feels very gay. 
That's true. I felt like that a lot with Chariots of Fire because there wasn't, I felt like we came up against it a lot because there wasn't any, um, there wasn't a central, I mean, we said it at the time, there wasn't a central relationship that felt explicitly queer, but there was a miasma of gay and it was just the period and the setting. I mean, and also like, you know, watching another yes your rival run a race and do and having like a matching orgasmic like spasm <laughs> of joy at the same time that he has his orgasmic spasm of victory you I know mean, there, there's also that there's also that there's also that that's true chariots of fire kind of like it dovetails with the sports as sex metaphor genre as well but yeah i mean i think you're right that like the thing of this setting feels gay so why and what's interesting about it is like i don't know if I feel like that it's not just us. Like, I feel like that setting feels gay to the wider world as well. And there's something like in the water that it like, I don't know if you have to have seen Morris and Brideshead and everything to find that setting gay, or if there's just something sort of repressed and effete about it that does it anyway. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like a combination of things because it's like, it is the setting for yeah. a lot of early famous queer literature and film. Yeah. So it's like an association that was made on purpose or like not made on purpose, but like comes from the fact that like, like it's like being like, why does the West Village seem so gay? And it's like, well, because right. it is, it was. <laughs> right, right, right. And I don't know, I feel like maybe it exists in the same cultural sort of lexicon as that, where it's like, you don't even have to, it's become like cultural knowledge in such a, in such a broadly understood way that you don't even necessarily have to have consumed the actual gay things said in those spaces in order to feel it. Yeah, because something that that made me think of is like, it persists even when you get, like, is it more than just repressed Englishness, which I think is part of right. it. And I'm sure we'll like right. talk about more, but it's like, you still get yeah. that same feeling, like I said, in something like Dead Poet Society, which in that case, it is a setting where the school itself sort of within the yeah. story is very self-consciously trying to be that like New England, yes. faux British boarding school experience. <laughs> yes. But like something else that just uh, occurred to me is like something like The Secret History, the Donna yeah. Tartt novel, yes. which isn't, I mean, there is a character in it who turns out to be gay, but like, that's not really why it still feels queer. Um, and we almost did an episode on the Goldfinch. Uh, we might, mm. uh, mm -hmm. but you know- The oeuvre of Donna Tartt is pretty gay <laughs> feeling. And we should have done an episode called the oeuvre of Donna Tartt is gay. But like, you know, when you talk about something like this secret history, it's like, it's right. not even, they're not English. They're not at Oxbridge. No. They're explicitly like an artsy liberal arts, like, you know, very not rigid and- repressed. They're where we went to college. <laughs> they literally are. Um, no, they're at Bard, aren't they? I think they're at Bennington. Oh, yes. Uh, I think they're, I think she went to Bennington, same but it's all difference. the same. It's all yeah. the same. Um, we went to Sarah Lawrence. Uh, so, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's something about Yep. I guess the I guess the question I'm actually asking is it is academia gay? Is well, college, is college gay? Oh, babe. Oh, this is so good. Is college gay? Well, I was going to say I was going to say is that like the 
the oeuvre of Donna Tartt. I'm so glad you brought secret history into this shit because like, I was going to say is dark academia gay, which yes. is very, because, and the thing is like, the I, answer on to the that other is, hand was praying we would never use that phrase. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You can't bring the secret history into a conversation without me pulling up my dark academia Spotify playlist. Um, that uh, I didn't compile it. It just exists. But, um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, because the answer to that is yes, dark academia is absolutely gay, but mm. is academia in general gay is a different question. And I think the answer is still yes. <laughs> like, I mean, which, yeah, which is then like add that into like, what are, what are we circling here? Like, is it about, right. okay, let me, let's, let's put up the mood board of like okay. all of the things Ugh, about it. a cloistered environment yes. that only certain people have been admitted into yes and they are people who because it's very exclusive are like you yes. and people who don't fit are mm -hmm. both trying to assimilate and incapable of assimilating right um right or at least are like plagued by their imposter syndrome that's like okay. always part of it that's true. That's true. Um, now I'm really just thinking about the secret history because that totally <laughs> applies to the protagonist, obviously, who feels really queer, even though he serially dates women and is in love with the only woman in the novel yeah. because of the kind of like um, the the infiltrating a secret society vibes. Well, yeah, which is the same as Abraham's in. Of course, um, in Chariots of Fire. Yeah, exactly. Right. So you've got a cloistered, slightly homogenous, but like maybe not so much society. I right. think something about you have a fixed time period that is nevertheless coming at a time in your life when it feels like forever. Yes. You know, you're yeah. young enough still that four, three to four years is eternity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, As Neil from Dead Poet Society once said, but father, that's a lifetime. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, it's in these usually single gender groups. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. Mm. you know what yeah no sorry I'm just no, no, now, no. now I'm gonna relate everything to the secret history point by point because I have so many regrets no 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 it's fine we're already there um I mean the thing is we can't talk about the secret history in any other context because they haven't made a film um no, we just don't have the time to read books one day we'll make the film I um, read two books in the entire pandemic we could never do a book podcast <laughs> No, 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 no. But now that we're here, there's even something because it is it is basically a single gender environment, except for what's her face, the one girl who it turns out, sorry for spoilers ahead if you haven't read The Secret History, but um, who turns out in some way to also be enmeshed in the kind of um, transgressive sexuality vibes because she has a weird incest thing going with her brother. So, not, I mean, like a rape incest thing. It's not like she's not down. She's not down, but it is happening. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I mean, when you're taking queer in the sort of academically broad sense of, yeah, like non-normative sexualities. Yes. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, well, I mean, it's the thing that, you know, anyone who has gone to a small college or university experiences, which is that like the cloistering makes everybody's sexual politics really fucked up. Yes. Like it's too small <laughs> and no one yes. can function. Yes, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, yeah, the thing about it being a small cloistered environment, right, is that there is no window to the wider world. It's like, it doesn't, you're in a pod with the people you're in a pod with and everything goes bananas. I mean, it's like what we talked to, it's like how alien it is in Dead Poets Society when Knox goes to the other high school. And then you're like, wait, this isn't somehow the 19th century? Like this is, 
yeah. the 50s in America and like girls in high school exist? Yeah, well, or like not to go completely bonkers, but it's like the Navy. <laughs> in master committee you know it's that like I mean well, this is the stereotype right this is like right. the English boys at boarding school like you know yes you screw your roommates because yes. there's no girls around yes like stereotype thing which I think yeah. can't be discounted as where right. part of this energy comes from right 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 I mean yes boarding yeah that's the thing is like that's a it's a it's an infamously proliferated joke over so much of British culture anyway about the kind of like yeah. practices of the sort of like, you know. Yeah, and like even in yeah. periods where like homosexuality slash, you know, yes. doing doing another dude, yeah, whatever the identity is called was not fine. Those jokes right. and that kind of, I mean, and this like connects to a thing that we've like talked about a lot of times mm-hmm. is like a sense of this is a, particular and segmented period of your life where perhaps in some respects the normal rules of the society you'll be entering don't apply Mm. and yes that's the sort of vibe of dead poet society is this feeling of like this is your last chance I was just gonna say redirect your course for later like I feel like the English ones often feel like here's our one bright shining hour and right. we'll never be this happy again. Gosh, wasn't it nice when I could, you know, sleep with my roommate and now I'm going to go be a banker. Right. Uh, but in Dead Poets, it's more a very American sense of like, you can change your life if only you get it right now right. as a teenager in right. this kind of last gasp before yes. life begins. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to bring up the last chanceness of it all because I feel like there's a really sort of like, the thing about youth, because when we're talking about either, whether or not we're talking about boarding school, which is high school or or college, like youth is a really key factor in this. You gotta have youth on the mood board for sure. Youth yeah. is on the mood board because of the combination of the weird kind of glamour of the last chanceness of like, yeah, this is the re- this is the moment to redirect the course, and like it's really high stakes because of that, but also there also it exists in a sort of weirdly heady combination with the fact that there aren't adult consequences for the mm-hmm. things that you do you know what i mean so it's like the weirdness the the rupturing of the of the environment in these stories is when suddenly real world consequences are intrude on the environment of youth which is like neil's death in dead poets society uh you know um hector's death in history boys mm-hmm. i mean and um and you know like there's another one but well i mean the murder in uh, secret history <laughs> but you know i mean like the fact that it's all kind of like sexy fun and games until you realize that like adulthood is coming and you can't sort of transgress forever yeah absolutely and the sense i think that often also a sense that the thing that intrudes, like we said, like Knox going to the party, like the thing right. that intrudes is heterosexuality, which is like the adult, the adult relationships you'll have to have, which will inevitably have to be your spouse. Yes. As opposed to your childhood relationships who are your same gender school friends. Right. Right, of course, which is something that we've talked about a lot. That mm-hmm. idea, that idea has come up 
a lot in the ones because even some of the some of the movies that we've talked about that don't fall into this really specific environment share that characteristic in terms of like you know we would put uh outsiders there and yeah. probably stand by me there the idea that like ch- the, the tragedy of childhood is about to end and these friends there's this dawning realization that you're going to have to have relationships that don't feel like this that feel different yeah you don't want to cross that barrier but you're going to have to like that's an interesting one cuz i feel like that's that's broad across a lot of these stories yeah and i mm. think that that's yeah, it connects to like exactly the feeling that we've tapped into with so many of these movies. It's like the best time of my life was when me and my guy friends ran around with no shirts on and yeah. slept in a big cuddle pile in the woods. Gosh, yeah. that was the best. Too bad I have a girlfriend now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting too, because like that's, yeah, I'm thinking about your thing about the intrusion of heterosexuality and thinking about like in Dead Poets Society when they bring the girls into the cave and nobody speaks, yes. you know, of just the fact that it's like the thing, the the energy that exists here is not, it, it can't even manifest in front of heterosexuality. That like, is it can't the even... expression of this idea. Because it's right. never really the same after they bring the girls no. into the cave. No, no. And then like, you know, obviously Neil's death is another and greater kind of like sort of intrusion of consequence, but it's like before that, the dynamic, it is so, it's so obvious where it's like, and it's contrasted really, it feels like really intentionally in the film with like, before the girls show up, it's like this insane sort of like pagan, like Charlie's playing the saxophone and everyone's freaking out and they're all smoking. And like, it's a really like loose, familiar, unself-conscious environment. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, I just remember that moment when the, like it cuts back to the girls sitting in the cave and it's like absolutely silent. And there's just like water dripping from the cave walls. And then someone it's pits is like, I might go to Yale. But, uh, but I might not. <laughs> and that's like the whole conversation. Which is like even more, it's like now we have to think about the future. Like the thing that doesn't right. exist here. Now, right. not only exists in the form of there's girls here. It's like, right. and we have to talk about where we're going to go to college and how I'm right. going to be a doctor and right. all of the things that aren't supposed to be in the cave. Right, right. The end of your youth is gay. Growing up is not gay. It's, tra- <laughs> it's tragically the end of the day. We're, we're born gay and become, and society makes us. Well, honestly, though, it's interesting that you, uh, this is the, uh, even though it's not necessarily thematically appropriate, the two for two uh, mention of Master and Commander so far in the episode, um, adulthood means heterosexuality unless you deliberately move into a universe where there are no women. Unless you join the Navy. <laughs> Unless you join the Navy. Adulthood means the end unless you join the Navy. I mean, not to get too like history on it, but it's like the whole thing as we discussed in that episode is like they begin as children. Yeah. You enter the Navy like yeah, when you're right. like, eight years old. Yeah, as that one kid who loses his arm is there to demonstrate for us. Yeah, so it's like that, it's sort of, that's just the like, no, it turns out my high school has a college attached and also a grad school and also like all of my professional training like you just are entering that space and never leave that's right that's right uh academia is gay um which i mean yeah so as someone who says Haley backrack phd (laughs) that is what it is it's all the people who are like i can't leave i'm scared uh (laughs) can't leave or the heterosexuality will get me it will Um, get me (laughs) she's not safe out here um (laughs) 
<laughs> she had to stay for years. It's been so many years, you guys. It's been like 15 <laughs> years of school. Um, Mind me. Um, I know. But, but, so are you, yes. So speaking of you living, living your 19th century life, but no, I mean like, yes, 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 yes. Is, is academia gay? I mean, so youth is on the mood board. Youth but, is on the mood board. But youth is not the only thing on the mood board. I'm, I was thinking about the fact that like these particular kinds of environments, I mean, like sacred history, dead poets count, even though they're American, because in a certain strange way, I mean, you sort of got at this by talking about the like secret society and like you have to kind of get in and the imposter syndrome thing, but like elitism is also on the mood board. And that's kind of complicated. Like, what do we make of that, you know? Yeah, that's really interesting because I think that like it is, I mean, it's, hmm, mm. it's part of the fantasy for sure. Mm-hmm. Like it's about, well, I mean, because part of it is like only rich people go, I mean, not only rich people, but it's like, it is an upper class fantasy to be yes. in the cloistered pure knowledge for knowledge sake. Yes. Private, you know, I mean, and of course, like that is not literally true, mm. but in the time mm. period, this is set again, it's part of the like outside of thing but it is it's like you get to go to college and it's not like you're rushing off to work your job you know right you don't have to right. go babysit after school it's like getting right. to just be um Le- leisure is gay leisure yes but also leisure is for rich people right um and then I wonder if it's something about the combination of expectations but no consequences yes you can transgress to a point that perhaps is greater and different than, right. like you can get away with being unconventional in ways. I'm thinking very specifically sort of in the like upper class English context right now. It's like yes. you could be transgressive in different ways than a lower class person, but yes. also you yes. are confined by rigid expectations. Like if you're just a nobody and you're like, you know right. what, I'm never gonna get married. I'm just going to go live in an ambiguous situation with my quote unquote best friend. It's like, (laughs) do it, man. Yeah. Right. But the visibility of kind of position is its own kind of thing, I suppose. Yeah. It's interesting because obviously, so I Well, position and of inheritance. And of inheritance. If you're an heir, you have to have a kid. Right. Right. Of course. Right. Which is why as something else that we've weirdly said a lot of times in the podcast, which is why, um, I mean, we were, we brought this in when we were talking about Disney films because of primogeniture, but like the idea of inheritance is also heterosexuality intruding because it's the system that will, you know, I mean, yeah, like that's a thing. That's also a thing you're, I mean, you were making me think a lot about Morris there, which is like, I'm going to, again, spoil some things, but it, Morris is like a brilliant case in point of what you were just describing because, the thing of Morris, there's a character that the protagonists, I count Morris and also Clive, um, there's a character that they encounter at Oxford named Risley, who is um, a much sort of more visibly, he's a sort of wildy figure and he's a much more visibly queer man than they are. Mm-hmm. And um, there's sort of like an episode in the film, certainly that I think is also in the novel, that um, he gets... Uh, he, I don't know. There's, he gets arrested. He tries to hook up with a, um, with a soldier in the laboratory of a pub and um, he gets arrested and it's a really public, it's a really public like trial because he's a peer. 
Mm. And um, Clive, our, you know, um, Hugh Grant protagonist, um, basically like of the couple, they react in sort of opposite ways to the threat of consequences. And one of them becomes really repressed and essentially like commits to destroying himself on the altar of kind of inheritance and respectability. And he marries a woman and he does become um, like a financier Mm -hmm. and like has a really sad life. And then the other, the surprise gorgeous happy ending of Morris is that Morris ends up with a man and like runs off into the sunset. But the critical, the sort of critical factor is that he's um, a gardener and not from the same social class as him at all. And they basically just like retreat to obscurity and be gay, but it's like not anything that they could ever do if they stayed like the movie leaves Oxford, (laughs) you know what I mean? Because you can't be in that environment and like have a happy ending in the, in that story, you know? Yeah. Well, what that, what I started thinking about was, Gentleman Jack, the series about Anne Lister, oh, who similarly, I think it's like this weird combination of like Anne and Anne. What is more lesbian than having the same first name as your wife? Uh, Dude. It's like the thing about leaving, leaving Oxford. It's like, yeah, they're in Yorkshire. Who the fuck knows what happens in Yorkshire? Like, totally. And they <laughs> have this weird combination of Anne. Um, oh my gosh, her surname has gone straight from my brain the which girlfriend. Anne? the girl Not, oh the girlfriend yeah. um uh, I remember the girlfriend surname which is funny because it's what they call her the whole time but it has just completely oh. exited my mind anyway um the Sophie Rundle character is yeah. independently wealthy and that is like she's sort of under threat because people want to marry her for her money and Anne on the other hand and Lister gets her money they're miners like they own mines they are sort of not new money but like not not trade industrial money industrial money yeah so it's like they likewise sort of sidestep (laughs) the like I mean and it's still the kind of climax of the movie is the panic and the rumors Mm -hmm. of like they are this is not just two nice unmarried ladies having a, you know, sharing a house together. (laughs) Right. Um, But it's still a sense of like, it's not, they're not in society in the way that these other characters are. And so they kind of get the same combination of like, well, they have enough money that they can be weirdos, but they also are freed from social, a certain kind of like extremely repressive social air because they're like off in Yorkshire doing God knows what. (laughs) (laughs) Doing gay shit in the mines. Yes, unexpectedly a brilliant series about lesbian love in which half of it is about the politics of rural mining, mm. um, which all of us while watching were like, there's so much mining happening Why here. are we still talking about these mines? Yeah, 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 yeah. When I watched it, I was like, yo, we've been in these mines, this mining politics plot for a long time. They watched Full Dark and we're like, why do people love this? I think it's all the stuff about the mines. It must be the mines. Um, Heads up, y'all. It's not the mines. Um, It wasn't the mines. Um, But (laughs) anyways, to get out of Gentleman Jack's really good. You should watch it if you haven't seen it. Yeah, it is really good. She's amazing. Um, Uh, Anyway. Yes. And and, and also also notable because Ann Lister was a real person who really did live that life which is cool wrote down about all the sex she had in her whack-ass diary (laughs) yep yep Uh, (laughs) we've digressed but it is yeah I mean so it's something about it's something about a certain freedom from it's both yeah the combination of like a certain type of freedom that comes with having money and time Mm -hmm. but a certain kind of sort of need to maintain a public image 
that yes. may perhaps be at odds, especially in like historical periods with mm-hmm. being outwardly in a same-sex relationship. Right, 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 right. There's a sweet spot where society can ignore you because you're not too visible, where you also have the freedom to do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but it's interesting because that all sort of like relates to what happens after you leave the cloistered environment. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like whether, whether or not you go on to have a happy ending or a tragic one is almost neither here nor there because it's whatever happens at the end of the story. And for all of these things, the bulk of the story is the thing that happens first when you're in the cloistered environment before the kind of die is cast and the sort of weird like sex energy of consequences might happen, but they haven't happened yet. Yeah, well, and the, I mean, it's, I think it's always on some level that dead poet's que- question of, right. will you make a self that you can take out of this place or will Oof. this be the happiest and tr- most truthful time of your life? Yeah, 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 yeah. And obviously also true of chariots of fire and well so it's interesting because that is super explicitly the 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 question of dead poets and you know that's like the interesting i mean as we talked about it when we did the episode the sort of like there's a strange dovetail there's a strange um sort of like uh opposing graph motion in the main characters on that whereas like neil as Neil is destroyed, Todd finds himself and you get, you know, the sort of shining moment is like, you know, maybe he will get to have a self that he, that he can like inhabit fully yeah. as a kind of like result of that. Yeah. And it makes me think of like the film and also play, I think another country, which has yeah. very young Rupert Everett, which is about a group of Oxbridge men mm. who became Russian spies during like right. the kind of post-World War II era But the story sort of posits like the seeds of that were planted during their time at Oxford or Cambridge. And the idea, again, that like the weird sexual alchemy of this part of their lives is what drove them to go do, to go become Russian spies. But like, it's a very odd movie because it doesn't actually explicitly, like it's not about that decision. It's about the sort of changes that happen in them as people that make them kind of reject the class system and reject English society that then 20 years from now make them go become Russian spies. I mean, sorry to go all the way back here, but that's a very Christopher Marlowe energy. Yeah. <laughs> like, to, I, I mean, honestly, I was like, to, to get sort of like, you know, to, to flout the conventions of society and then leave Cambridge to become a spy in another country. Where have I heard that before? <laughs> um, I was like, I think I've seen that film. He was um, recruited. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's like something about the like, th- th- that phrase you use, the die is cast in this yeah. time of your life. And maybe the effects won't be seen mm-hmm. for 20 years, but mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. something happens now. Right that shapes everything to come. I mean, which I think is always the implication of like college and university set movies. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. In a gay way. Yeah. And there's a particular thing. I mean, the thing of the, there is a particular sort of attendant sadness in that thing about the idea of like, it's part of why the glamour of it is the sadness of it. The, the, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, you know what I mean? The yeah, like, 100%. I mean, because we talked about this when we went rogue at the end of the Dead Poet Society episode and made it about History Boys, which of course is like the kind of ultimate version of this. 
Yes, though, just can I derail you for one second? Please. Something that I was just thinking as we were having this conversation about like class, et cetera, and also right. specifically what the fuck happens in Yorkshire, um, uh, you know, which is where they are. Th- th- there feels like within this milieu and knowing Alan Bennett is an incredibly educated writer who is probably intentionally making certain kinds of references that right. they are trying to get to Oxford Yes. And, and Cambridge. Oh. Over the course of this conversation began to feel very significant to me that they're not God. there yet. <laughs> that's true. You know, that's true. That's so interesting about the fact that it's this, yeah, it's about the struggle to get into that place. Yeah. Which like in the cultural imagination of the things that they read, the things that they consume. I mean, it is a gay place they're trying to go. Yes, yeah, all of these sad little queers, like. Yeah, that's so true. It is like, yeah, that's really interesting. And again, it's a very, it's a gay place tied up with elitism and social mobility and like being in the club where that, where that for a time at least is okay. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah it's so interesting that. And it's a place that doesn't give any of them what they're looking for. No. But it's also like none of the, like the incredibly tortured, borderline problematic kind of queer relationships and dynamics in the play and movie, like none of, like not to, not to like be, this is, sounds really stupid and reductive now. None of them went to Oxford. None of them actually got to be in that space. They're sort of trying to find that Right. Like that's the reveal with Erwin, right? He never actually, he went to Oxford to do his teaching certificate. He was not actually an undergraduate there. And right. I think Hector didn't go Mm-mm. either. None of, all of them are trying to sort of replicate this milieu and reach it. But instead they create these like incredibly fucked up and toxic dynamics where it's like the relationship with the students and the teachers is too sexual it's not supposed to be that way but the students are in unrequited love and sort of tormenting each other too and like right it doesn't work right because oh god you know freed from the consequences they haven't gotten into that bubble where they can just be and then they get there and it's illusion and it's not real but that's brilliant I'm really okay let's stay there for a second because I want (laughs) to kind of unpack that about because the thing is like Again, to quote the problematic but brilliant, um, you know, Hector moment of the transmission of knowledge is in itself an erotic act. Can we I feel like pause as well to say, I'm sorry for what a nightmare this podcast is for anyone who's not literally us. <laughs> Listen, you guys, um, we're just out here trying to work out some shit. We'll just we're like, what a web of bonkers as references that bear no relationship to each other. Shh. Yeah. You're not, never let them see you sweat. Um, <laughs> anyway, so about um, that whole transmission of knowledge, erotic. No, 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 brilliant. Um, <laughs> I mean, yes, uh, well spotted. We are, we are a nightmare. But um, <laughs> yeah, the thing about that though, and about everything that you just said about like the fact that they didn't actually get, they're trying to impart a thing that was never properly imparted to them. Yeah. What's weird about that is because the transmission of knowledge is in itself an erotic act and because sexuality and teaching and, and the transmission of knowledge are so braided in that piece, there's something interesting about the fact that it's all kind of, um, it's all kind of unrequited and ineffectual, including the teaching 
the teaching and the sex, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. none of it quite, none of it connects because it's the same thing. You know what I mean? Mm. It's like the, the, the sort of critical thing about Henry Boys is that like the actual sexual overture that happens never happens yeah. because events overtake it and, you know, and it doesn't happen. But there is something, the, the missed boatness of mm-hmm. it is um, sort of critically enmeshed in the fabric of that play. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I hadn't thought of that specific thing that you said about like, well, it's because like on a certain level, like they're both good teachers in terms of their actual subject, like more or less subjects, more or less. Yeah. But like the the thing that they're sort of really teaching, you know what I mean? Is like, it doesn't land because it was never imparted to them properly. I don't know. It's an interesting thing. Well, it's like, they're just both such sad, fucked up people. It's like, how can you teach these boys to be people? You're not a person. Yeah, 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 exactly. Which is why the sort of ultimate, as you said, the sort of ultimate Irwin revelation of I'm not anything enough, really. Yeah. It is the kind of like, I don't know, the sort of whole microcosm of like, oh my God, adults are just, adults aren't real. Yeah, (laughs) it's like part of the sort of disillusionment. I mean, yeah, part of the disillusionment of coming out of this sort of youth period where everything seems possible that we're talking about is the sort of realization that like there actually isn't anything after this like adults aren't real like you feel the same when you leave only there are consequences now but also like the idea that like Erwin saying like I wasn't anything enough really to get into Oxford yeah but for the boys who get in who therefore must be something enough it doesn't pay off no it means nothing for who they become right right Right, right. I mean, that's the thing of um, possibility is sort of inherently more interesting than what actually happens. Yes, which I guess maybe belongs on the mood board as well, because of course, when is there more possibility for who you will become, including maybe you could become someone who could just be gay, than when you are in these little, I mean, like, what is school but this bubble of possibility? Right. And that's why it feels, as you said, so connected to the limited time frame, the idea that like, this is beautiful because it can't last. Yes. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Something about the sort of imperiled, like the, the, the nature of, we all know that this is coming to an end mm -hmm. is gay. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, it's, it, it makes me, so like you brought up, we've, we've, we've veered into the history boys yes. <laughs> and where the teachers are very prominent. And I feel like another thing that belongs on the mood board is the teacher figure, because that feels really key. We talked a lot about how like the inspirational teacher genre really overlaps with all yes. of this mess. And like, it feels like something that makes this different from like, we're a bunch of men working in an office. <laughs> like right, right, right. Yes. the least gay setting you could have. <laughs> I'm going on the record with that. There is nothing more heterosexual than a group of office workers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, I say technically being one right now. Um, (laughs) But so there's something about is, yeah, something about the presence of however kind of prominent or peripheral that presence is the presence of the teacher, because even in like Chariots of Fire, like we have his running coach. And we have Derek Jacoby, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, even though it's not really about them being in class and it's not really about them learning things, nope. <laughs> uh, the presence of the sort of overseers of mm-hmm. their education right. 
It's yes. like you are you are both free and in this bubble of possibility and yet yeah kind of guided and mentored. Yes, I feel like a critical thing for the mood board is the presence of authority and then within that either rebelling against it or becoming unnaturally collaborative with it. Both of which are gay. Mm-hmm. in different ways you know mm-hmm. what I mean because I, yes. I feel like that poet society is about them in in one particular case becoming incredibly intimate with their authority because he sort of transgresses in his position in a certain kind of way and rebelling against the system that keeps them there mm-hmm. and I mean I guess in a certain sense history boys is the same but like yeah, yeah I don't know it's interesting that well, cause in that one, it's like, they sort of have this weird split where the boy's loyalties kind of get divided between Hector and Erwin, but also right. the headmaster is always there as the like default yes. antagonist. Yes. Um, right. And obviously Chariots of Fire, we have the sort of anti-Semitic, but also kind of anti-Christian <laughs> uh, yeah. structures that want both of them to be different in different ways. Right. Um, but yeah, there's mm. something about, and then obviously history uh <laughs> i mean yeah i don't remember if the teachers ever matter in another country mm. but in a weird way it's like you sort of have england and russia like the rebellion takes a different form they're sort right. of being turned away from mm-hmm. england itself right and then which is a whole other thing to bring in something that we haven't yet but kind of tangentially fits with harry potter <laughs> the yeah. one that we talked about prisoner of azkaban as inspirational right. teacher movie Right, 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 right. I mean, yeah. And, you know, in a sense, as we talked about then, I mean, like Lupin is obviously the figure that they become collaborative with within the structure, but also like, you know, Lupin ends up being a sad werewolf and what is more punk rock slash gay than that? (laughs) Truly nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, but it's like, there's something about the fact that yes, it is separate from society and from the kind of expectations and pressures and consequences. And yet you still have your like queer elders. Right, (laughs) right, 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 right. Erotically transmitting knowledge. (laughs) I mean, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. There's something about that too, is that this sort of, if there is, if there, the thing that makes it erotic, I feel like, is in the inspirational teacher dynamic is the thing where in all of these sort of examples, it's like on some level, the teacher makes the characters believe that they are sort of in the same club. And so part of what is being offered is the sort of illusion of adulthood mm. of sort of like, we've talked a lot about the thing of like, I see something in you that is similar to me, kid, which is why I'm going to mentor you. But par- what's mm-hmm. on the plate there is like, is implicitly, I see you as an equal. I'm going to treat you like a grown up. And in a place where, like in Dead Poet Society, where the villains are the parents, that's the most attractive thing that exists. But also, like building on this conversation we've been having, it is a promise that you can be yourself and an adult. You it, yes. don't have to change before right. you become an adult and enter the real world. You can do right. it as yourself. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. By just existing, you know, it's sort of the promise that you are, you could get out, like you can get, you can get out and retain your you-ness, you know, which is why I guess it's such a strange, uh, puncturing kind of betrayal when they find out that Erwin didn't really go to Oxford, you know? Yeah. Well, there's always that weird betrayal in these movies, right? right? Where you find out that like, no way, even the teacher had to compromise in some way, even the teacher 
you know, gave yeah. something up and this promise they've been offering of an unscathed entry into adulthood perhaps right. doesn't exist. Right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I think that's the sort of whole thing is that it's like the the, the possibility and then the like the aura of possibility, <laughs> the mood of possibility, as they would say mm-hmm. in history boys, um, contrasted with the fact that you can't actually retain everything. Yeah. Like that's like the world actually won't let you retain everything. That's just like true. Yeah. Well, and it sort of connects to the thing you were saying about the teachers and the history boys of like, they're trying to impart something they never learned. It's like, mm-hmm. you were trying to make me believe in something, you know, doesn't exist. Right. 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 There's a sort of, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's why the bubble always has to burst, which is why as we keep circling back to the thing of like on some level or another the fact that it's going to come to an end is why it's interesting mm-hmm. mm. yeah mm. yeah I mean the whole goddamn environment is gay I mean I like that in this episode we got you on the record with academia is gay <laughs> if only it were um but you know we didn't we didn't promise answers in these no. episodes we promised rambling and mm-hmm a horrifying and alienating tour through a free association through our minds. And I, I, there's more where that came from. (laughs) And I dare say we provided that. And as you, yes, we'll continue to do so. Mm, mm -hmm. A a service no one asked for. Yeah. Service no one asked for, but thank you for joining us for it anyway. um, We will be back with more, explorations of the themes of the podcast so far if you have sort of ideas and concepts that you would be interested in hearing us uh just sort of drag apart like you know cats with a carcass of a bird uh, mm, nice <laughs> think of something suitably unappealing um it's neg yourself day on the podcast uh let us know you can let us know i'm gonna say it first on twitter because emma's laughing uh, on Twitter at this movie is underscore gay or on Instagram at this movie is gay podcast. That's where we'll be. We will also be on the podcast purveying platform of your choice where you should mm-hmm. leave a rating. You should leave a review and you should make sure to subscribe as well because don't you want this every week in your life? We know you want it. <laughs> <Join us. laughs> See you soon. <laughs> Goodbye.